Hebrews chapter 11, I want to read verses 24 through to 28. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. As we come to this great patriarch Moses, I want to draw your mind to think upon a certain aspect of his faith. Moses, we are told here several times, had faith. Verse 24, by faith Moses. Verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt. Verse 28, through faith he kept the Passover. And that faith is seen in his life in so many, many different ways, as Paul says here. And you can read the life of Moses in the book of Exodus through to Deuteronomy. And many times you will stand amazed at him. And you'll have to pause and you'll have to stand back and say, this was a man of faith. Always having faith in every situation, at every point of time in his life, time and time again. His faith was seen. And we as Christians should be living lives whereby our faith is seen. And the people of the world ought to stand back at times, maybe a time of affliction, maybe a time when we have a bereavement, maybe a time we're going through sickness or some problem in life, and we're seen as trusting God in it. And all the world should be able to stand back, and other Christians as well, and they should be able to say concerning us, he, she, is a man or woman of faith. Well, that's what we find here about Moses. He was a man of faith. And it's seen in his life. And there are these verbs you see, these action words highlighting his faith. And I especially draw attention to the first, refused. By faith, Moses refused. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Yes, he refused. That manifest his faith. Now Paul, as I said, uses many verbs. He uses the verb choose, choosing, esteeming, forsaking, keeping the Passover, all these verbs. But the first, and that's the lens by which I want to look at his life of faith, this verb refused. He was a man who could refuse and did refuse. Faith is not just knowledge in the head. Faith is living the life of godliness. Faith leads to change, to holiness. And that's what stands out about these people of faith in Hebrews 11. They had faith in God's word, yes, but their faith and trust in God's word led them to action, led them to going into the ark, led them to offering the right sacrifice, 
led them to walking with God, and so on and so forth. Their faith was seen in their actions, in their lives, in their works. And Moses is highlighted in his refusals. The believer refuses certain things. He refuses certain places. He refuses certain kinds of action. This is the personal faith of Moses. Moses, by faith, refused. But now notice, I want to draw attention to this first. As Paul begins to look at the faith of Moses, whenever he comes to adulthood, that's what it says here when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know the story, Pharaoh's daughter took him up out of the waters, she adopted him, he became the legal son, the legal heir in the house of Pharaoh. Now providentially we know that his sister raised him up, but he was the legal son of Pharaoh's daughter. She nourished him, she nurtured him for palace life and possibly even for the throne itself. It was a very dangerous and attempting situation. There was before him the world and the world's glory and all the riches of Egypt, as it says in the text. All that Egypt might have to offer could be his. It was a tempting prospect for this young man. He was a prince and he could possibly even be a pharaoh in Egypt. He could go to the top. That's all before him. In the temptation. In the situation which he finds himself when he's brought into the palace. But there's not only something before him, there's something behind him. And he doesn't forget what's behind him. What's behind him? Well, what does it say there in the verse 23? By faith, Moses. It's not his faith. But you see how Paul introduces it? By faith, Moses. He doesn't say by faith, his parents. He says, I'm beginning to talk about Moses. I'm beginning to talk about how he was raised. I'm beginning to talk what was behind his life. As he goes into that palace with all the glory of Egypt before him, he has something behind him. He had personal faith in the palace, but before that, he had parental faith. His parents had faith. Faith that prayed for him, that loved him. The faith of parents. And this is very important. Really it is. The life of Moses then, according to Paul, does not begin with verse 24. It begins with verse 23. By faith Moses was hid. He was hid. Moses was helped by his parents' faith. Moses knew about their faith. Because in the providence of God, his sister raised him. And she told him about the faith. She told him about his true origins. And Moses was well aware of the story. He was well aware of the action of his parents. He was well aware where he came from. And he knew that his parents were believers. And in the light of that past knowledge, he refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. Because he had godly parents. He had parents who had faith in God. He was a child of believers. 
And his refusal is seen in that area. He refused to forsake the faith of his parents. He refused to desert the religion of his mom and dad. He forsook Egypt. He gave up all his glory. He didn't fear the wrath of king. None of that held sway to him. He was a man who could have put his feet in both worlds. He could have put his feet foot in the home religion, in the religion of his parents, and kept a foot in the house of Egypt with the glory of Egypt, compromising with the religion of Egypt. He could have done that. There are many who do that. They want a foot in each camp. But not Moses. He inherited the faith of his parents, and that faith made them not fear the Pharaoh. That faith made them to disobey the king's wicked law. And that wicked law said, kill the males, kill the baby boys, drown them in the Nile, cut them off at the birth. That was a decree of ungodly Egypt, but they disobeyed that decree. And for three months they endangered their lives, hiding him, because they had faith. Their faith taught them it was wrong to kill infants. And as well as that, they prayed for him, for they hid him in prayer, we are sure as well. And they instructed him whenever they were able to in the providence of God whenever Pharaoh's daughter didn't realize that was his real family. But he inherited this faith. As God said to him, I'm the God of your father Abraham, the God of your father Isaac, the God of your father Jacob. You have this inherited faith, Moses. And he refused to forsake it. He refused to disown or disinherit it and to adopt the new faith of his so-called adoptive mother. Today there are many Christian houses and many children brought up in the faith. And they're taught the fear and the worship of God. They have the gift of parental faith. The gift of being born into a house where the Bible is central, where the word of God is believed, where God is prayed to and trusted in. There are many children who have that privilege. As you do, boys and girls, this day. The privilege of a godly house. The privilege of a house where the true faith of the gospel subsists in the hearts of your mom and dad. And you ought to receive your parents' faith. And you ought to believe in their saviour who offers himself to you as they have offered to you. You've all been offered unto God in this house. And God offers himself unto you. And you ought to believe in Jesus Christ. And trust him. And obey him. And not refuse the religion of your parents. And not have contempt for their faith in Christ. And they not only have offered you up. But they have brought you to the school of Christ. They have brought you to this place to be taught the word of God. To be grounded in the doctrines of truth. That you may believe. So have faith in Christ. And refuse Satan's attempts to enslave you and draw you away from the true faith. Refuse false religion. 
refuse atheism, but choose the faith of your parents. And so he refused to shut his ears to God, but instead he shut his ears to Pharaoh's daughter, and to Pharaoh and to Egypt. He didn't refuse God's word. You remember how Paul addresses us and he says, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. That's not the kind of refusal Moses had. He would always listen to God. You study his life. Here's a man who's always hearing God's word, always in the presence of God. He never refuses the word of God. But he refuses the word of Pharaoh's daughter. He refuses the word of Pharaoh. Didn't we say in another sermon, there's always a contrary word. There's a word of God, there's a true word, but there's always another word, the devil's word, the lie, the falsehood, the contrary the heresy, always refuse the error, always refuse the devil, always refuse the false word, but believe the true and embrace the true. So he, he didn't refuse God's word, but he refused the word of the false. Sometimes this word refuse is translated deny. He denied he was Pharaoh's daughter. He denied that he had the name of Pharaoh's household. He disowned it. He would have nothing to do with it. He denied he was Egyptian. He confessed he was Hebrew. He denied the world. He refused. He wouldn't deny his faith. He wouldn't deny deny the name of the Lord. To him, even with all the great temptations, that, that was unthinkable. Utterly unthinkable. Because he had this faith. This true faith. Faith will mean that you won't deny the Lord. Faith that will mean that you won't deny the truth. But you'll deny the contrary. Isn't the Lord always looking for this refusal and denial of the world in us? And isn't he always looking for this refusal to deny him in the world? Remember how he come to the churches in, in, in Asia Minor? And there was a couple of them. He says, you haven't denied my name. You haven't refused my name. You've denied the synagogue of Satan. You've denied the world. You haven't denied me. You haven't refused me. What did the Lord say? Whosoever denies me. Whosoever refuses me. It's the same word. Whosoever refuses me, him will I refuse before my Father which is in heaven. Moses could never refuse the Lord. But he refused the devil and the lie. I'll tell you something else he didn't refuse. What does it say here in the text? He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. He refused to be ashamed of the people of God. He refused to be embarrassed by them. He refused to leave the saints. He refused not only to deny the faith, he he refused to deny the people of faith. His parents. He couldn't deny his parents. He couldn't deny the people of God. He couldn't deny the people of prayer that they were a miserable people in their sufferings. They were poor people. They were peasant people. 
They were a persecuted people. He could have chosen people with comfort, with ease, with riches, with wealth. He could have had that people. He could have been among the people of success. He could have been among the people of glory. But instead, he chooses to suffer with the people that are persecuted, the people that are enslaved, the people that are in the bondage of Egypt, the people that are feeling the pain and the suffering and the agony and bearing the reproach. He chose them. He could have been safe as an Egyptian, but he chose the people of God, choosing rather even to suffer with them than to enjoy all the pleasures of Egypt. That's some refusal. The people of God here that he chose were not perfect. Sometimes he saw them fighting among themselves. He tried to unite them. He, he tried to set them free. But despite their difficulties and their, their, even their fighting among themselves, he loved them. He still chose them. The saints aren't perfect. The saints aren't all altogether righteous in their ways and behavior. But they have the faith of the gospel and they love the Lord. And he chose to stand with them. Despite their bickerings among themselves. They're my people. They have the faith of the gospel. They love the word. They worship God week by week. They give centrality to the scriptures. And I love them, and I'll stand with them, and I'll not be embarrassed or ashamed to do so. So he, he refused to be ashamed. And if you have faith in Christ, the faith of Moses, you'll stand with the people of God. You'll not be embarrassed that they're a motley crew. You'll not be embarrassed that they're despised. You'll not be embarrassed that they're a declining number. Because the, the little infants are being killed and destroyed. They don't look, look like they have much future. But he still stands with them. He's not ashamed to do so either. He refused to deny them. So, people of God, don't be ashamed of the saints. Don't be ashamed to gather with them. Don't be ashamed to stand out in the open air with them, as, as you did last night. Don't be embarrassed. Love the saints. Study the lives of the saints. Read the writings of the saints. Talk of the saints. Desire the unity and the success of the whole church of Jesus Christ. And of course, choosing the saints meant choosing suffering and affliction, didn't it? And that's what he chose. He chose rather to suffer. Christian young people, you know, they find it hard to suffer. And you boys and girls, you're nice and safe here in the church week by week and in your homes. But you know, you're going to go to university soon. You're maybe going to go travel far off and be amongst on your own. And you're going to be tempted not to suffer. And in your digs or in your room in the university, and other students are coming in, you're going to be tempted to hide your Bible and put it in the drawer. And you're going to be tempted to put away Christian books. You're not going to be able to tell, perhaps, I go to church and I, I believe the Bible. But don't be embarrassed. Choose rather to suffer with the people of God. You have to make that choice and you have to make that refusal. 
to be embarrassed or ashamed of the Lord and of his people. Moses refused to be embarrassed. He refused to escape the suffering. He refused to shun the affliction by hiding or denying or avoiding the saints. Remember how the the psalmist said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I couldn't live in the tents of wickedness, hiding my fear, hiding my identity with the people of God. I'd just rather be the most despised and the most despicable in this house than that. That's the faith of the gospel. That's the faith of Moses. Remember Paul said, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his minister. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of your brother or sister in Christ. Don't be ashamed of your elders. Don't be ashamed of your minister who preaches the word of God. Take a stand. Stand with them. He refused the pleasures of sin. Doesn't it say that there, verse 25? Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He, he refused the pleasures of sin. His faith taught him. His faith had instructed him that the pleasures of sin are harmful and dangerous. That they're God-dishonoring. That they're harmful to the soul. The pleasures of sin are harmful to the soul. The pleasures of sin are for a season. They're temporary. Life will soon be over. His faith taught him all of this. And being taught that in his faith, he refused. He refused those pleasures, those temporary pleasures, those soul-destroying pleasures. He refused them. And people of God, you have to refuse sin. What does the Bible say? Teaching us. This is what the Bible teaches us. This is what the gospel ministry teaches us. Teaching us that denying. That's that word again. Refusing. Refusing ungodliness and worldly lusts. We should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Remember our Savior said, If any of you are going to come after me, let him deny himself. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to refuse this pleasure and that pleasure and the sinful pleasures. You can't follow Christ and not be a refuser and not be a denier. He refused himself the sinful indulgences. Now Egypt no doubt held forth abundant pleasures of sin. That which the flesh likes. That's the same today. You know the story hasn't changed. The sinful flesh of men is still the same. There's still the pleasure industry. There's still the ungodly things of this world that are given and paid for and multiplied for the flesh. It's still the same. And the people of God still have to refuse the sinful indulgences of this world. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Yes, we're in fleshly bodies. We're in bodies that have desires. And sometimes because of the depravity of our hearts, those desires are sinful. But we have to mortify the members. We have to cut off things. We have to refuse and deny things. But deny ourselves. Oh, ourselves wants to rise. Ourselves wants to be in the prominence. Ourselves want to be satisfied and fat and flourishing, as it were, and be comfortable. But 
we even have to deny ourselves. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And then verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. He refused to deny Christ. He esteemed the reproach, the shame of Christ, the reproach of the gospel. He esteemed that better than all the riches of Egypt. So he didn't shun the Savior. He chose Christ. He didn't refuse the mark of Christ in his life. Christ for him, no matter what. Christ for him, no matter what the marks that are brought to me of reproach. Christ for me. Is that your faith? Christ for me, no matter what. No matter what the people say. No matter what way the world looks at it. Christ for me. Even with all the reproach and all the shame and all the suffering and all the affliction that comes with it. Christ for me. This is Moses' faith. This is the kind of faith he had. Christ, even though a cross. Christ, even though suffering and agony. Remember how Paul said at the end of this epistle, let us go forth unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. We have to refuse the camp. We have to shun the camp and leave it behind us. And we have to go out. He was crucified outside the camp, you see. He was crucified outside the culture. He was crucified outside the refinement of Jerusalem. Out there alone. In the shame and in the agony. Burying our sins. And we have to be like him. Go out, go out to him. Or back to the world. Esteeming this reproach of Christ. Greater riches than the treasure in Egypt. And so he refused every allurement Egypt had to offer. It had great riches. It had great culture. It had so much, and yet he, he refused it all. He refused to stay in Egypt. What does it say there in verse 27? He forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He left the world. He, he turned his back on it. He separated from it. He refused to fear man, not fearing the wrath of even Pharaoh himself. He refused to fear man. Man's not going to stop me following the Lord. Man's not going to stop me going and going out and following Christ. So he refused to give up. What does it say? He endured. He kept on going. It's not the great characteristic of this faith. We're not of them that turn back, but them that believe to the saving of the soul by faith. This is persevering faith. Faith that endures. Faith that goes on. Faith that refuses to give up. Faith that refuses to look back like Lot's wife. Faith that refuses to return they could have returned the people of God many times Abraham could have returned to Ur Isaac and Jacob they could have went back to that place any time they wanted if they had a mind but they didn't they had faith and they looked for the better country their eyes were forward to the Lord and to the heavenly country to the riches of glory they kept going forward and refused to look back he refused to take his eyes off the Lord, seeing him who is invisible. He kept seeing the Lord. He kept looking to the Lord. He kept praying to the Lord because that's when we see the Lord, when we pray to him. He endured us seeing him, seeing him at the throne of grace. It's reading the word and seeing him in the word. 
Keep looking at him in the word. Endure because he continued to see him who's invisible in the word. And that's how we continue. That's how we endure. By refusing to lay the Bible aside. Refusing to neglect the word of God. Refusing to be prayerless. But rather keep looking to God. This, this is faith. He also refused to forsake the ordinances of the Lord. What does it say there? Verse 28. Through faith he kept the Passover. And the sprinkling of blood. He kept them. He refused not to trust in the Lamb. And in the blood sprinkled. The Lamb and the blood of the Lamb he would not deny. Egypt would say that's folly, that's stupidness, that's nonsense. Blood on the doorpost and all this and that. What are you playing at, you Hebrews? But he refused unbelief. He kept the ordinances. He had faith in the gospel. He had his trust in the blood of the Lamb, in the Passover Lamb. He refused the knowledge and the science of Egypt that said, that's all nonsense, that's false. But God's word said, keep it. You need the blood of the Lamb upon you. You need that covering. And he believed the word. And he kept on believing the word. Even though the science of Egypt and the philosophy of Egypt would say a different, would say a contrary. He refused all that science. He refused all that philosophy. And he kept the Passover. He refused to go back when it got hard at the Red Sea. Passed through the Red Sea as in dry land. He refused to stop marching. He refused to halt. He kept going forward even through the Red Sea in faith. He stepped into it in faith and obedience to God. All this refusing by Moses marks his true faith. And people should see our faith in our refusals. How could he refuse that? Let's just be a wee bit practical here. You know, it's not that you get the strength and grace yourself to refuse. Refusing is sometimes very difficult work. But, but there's a process that, that goes on in the heart of the believer, whereby the Spirit of God enables him to refuse. Let, let's look at that process. It's referred to in the text. There's a process. It follows choosing. Now, I know Paul is dealing with this in the order of refusing first, and then choosing, in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. You see, that's where it starts. There's this process, uh, refusal, choosing, esteeming. And in his heart and life, the process is reversed. Because it begins with esteeming. And then it comes on to choosing. And then it comes to refusing. You see, faith chooses the right. It starts by choosing Christ. We can't refuse sin. We're sinners. We can't refuse all these things of the flesh because of our depravity. But we choose Christ. That's where the grace comes from. From Christ. We choose him. We choose the Lord. We choose the right. That's how the Christian warfare is fought. 
Not so much in the refusing, but in the choosing. You choose Christ. All the time you choose the Lord. All the time you choose the right. And when you choose the Lord and choose the right, it's easy to refuse the opposite, the contrary, the wrong. And so that's how we do the Christian warfare. In the choosings that we do. How do we refuse and fight vice? But by choosing its opposite. We refuse pride. How? By choosing humility. We refuse lust. How? By heading it directly on. No. By choosing chastity. By choosing the purity. By choosing the beauty. The beauty virtue. And in the beauty of the virtue that we choose. We see the ugliness of the contrary. And so we refuse envy by choosing kindness. We refuse lust by choosing chastity. That's how faith works. Choosing the Lord. Choosing the virtues of God. There's another part to this process, however. Well, why do we choose the Lord? Why do we choose virtue that leads us to refuse the contrary? It's in the esteeming, you see. Verse 26 Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. That's another part of the process. And that's really the start of the process. The esteeming here means accounting. It means reckoning up in your mind and heart. Thinking. You're thinking about it. You're reckoning it up. And you account that Christ is glorious. You reckon that Christ is altogether lovely and beautiful you reckon that Christ is all you reckon that Christ is desirable even with his cross even with his reproach you esteem that he's more desirable than even all the treasures of Egypt that there's none to be compared to Christ that he's over all that he's most lovely altogether lovely He's the fairest of 10,000. Even all the furnace that Egypt has to offer. So you esteem Christ. Christ is all we need. And you, you reckon this up in your mind and heart by faith. And because you find him desirable. Even with his reproach on his cross. You choose him. And because you choose him in his desirable beauty. You refuse the ugly and the contrary. That's how the Christian warfare is fought, you know. We don't have the, the, the sin head on. No, we start at Christ. We're not legalistic. We need Christ. We need the gospel. We need the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we desire and love and want to be with forever and ever. And we choose him. And we refuse everything contrary to him. So this is the faith of the gospel. And that's why the Christian pulpit preeminently preaches Christ. Now I've done a series on the Ten Commandments and you've heard me preaching the law of God but it's always to lead us to Christ. Preeminently. We preach Christ crucified. If you have him you have all the grace you need for the Christian life. And so we choose him. We esteem him. And may you, the people of God, ever do so. 
Keep looking on to Jesus. Is this the conclusion of this whole business? Uh, when he goes into chapter 12, all these people, all these pilgrims, looking on to Jesus. The author and finisher, the chief pilgrim, the one who we follow. Keep looking to Jesus. Oh, don't take your eyes off Christ. Esteem him much. Esteem him greatly. Even his reproach at his cross. Esteem it all. And choose him. Oh, may you choose Christ.